It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz. Today in Dallas, Texas, we're on the campus of Southern Methodist University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Pony up. That's some Mustang love. Pony up with SMU. And we are here with our special guest, Justin Lawler. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're uh, fantastic. We travel the country to bring some positive stories to light for our audience about the community service projects going on on college campuses. You're with the SMU football team, uh, 6'4", Did I get that right? 260. 260? Yeah. Holy cow. So D-line, tight end, what do we got? Yes, sir, D-line. D-line, all right. So 260, you still, the frame, I thought you were 230, so you could weigh 340, 350? Uh, no, not quite. I'm, <laughs> I'm slow enough, so I don't, need, <laughs> I don't need any more weight added to my frame. Okay, so uh, we could talk football for days and X's and O's, but I like to talk about what you guys do off the field with community service. Uh, what do you guys do to make the planet better? Uh, well, last last semester after the football season, we do we're unfortunate to make a bowl game. So um, we thought it'd be a great. Or Coach Morris actually brought up the idea of um, half the team go to the hospital, um, the Children's Hospital here in Dallas, and then um, about twenty thirty other guys uh, went and did to South Dallas to Habitat for Humanity. Um, so those were two really recent events that we did. Um, that was really good just to just to give back to the community. Were those projects at the same time? Um, in the same week. Same week. Yes. So, I, I mean, if it were up to me, I'd rather go to the hospital just because I'm lazy. I don't want to build a house. Were guys fighting on which side of the fence to be on? Did, um, were there guys fighting to get out of the – because I'm guessing Habitat for Humanity is hard, hard work. Going to the hospital, you know, you can walk around and, and be a hero while kids love that a guy with 20-inch neck is walking in to say hi to him. No, it didn't necessarily work out like that. But uh, What'd you do, build a house or go uh, to the hospital? I went to Habitat for Humanity. Okay, I'm proud of you yeah. for working hard. <laughs> yeah, last semester we, went, we all went to the hospital, and, um, and I never had the opportunity to go to Habitat for Humanity, so I thought it was a great opportunity um, to wake up on a Saturday morning and just go help out. Okay, well, before I let you go, let's talk about Habitat for Humanity. What did you do? What was that day like? Was it a day or several days? It was uh, half a day. We showed up at about 8 and almost immediately went to work and then came back, I believe, about 12 to 1 o'clock. Um, so it was a half a day, and myself personally and four other guys we were on top of the roof, you know, building a roof, and then they had two, two different houses, and we kind of split up. Half the guys went to one house, and the other guys went to the other house. And, and with, they had guys everywhere, man. They were just... We were everywhere, you know, building the walls, the roof, the inside, you know, electrical and stuff like that. It was a, it was a real good time. Did Coach Morris know you guys were risking your life on a roof? <laughs> well, he was there. He was on the roof. Uh, <laughs> Coach Coach Morris was working just like we were. So, and okay. then um, a lot of the coaches staff, Coach DeGaulle, Coach Ross, and um, 
and Coach True was there, and of just the coaches off the top of my head, and so they they enjoyed it too, and they love to give back just just as much as we do. Well, I'm telling you, we love these stories of uh, college students and student athletes giving back to their community. Uh, it helps uh, our listeners, even me, want to get up off our couch and help out our own communities. So everybody at SMU, let's have one more round of applause for Justin Lawler and the Southern Methodist University Mustangs. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Red Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. One of my most favorite things about this show is the chance I get to meet some amazing people with inspirational stories. And our next guest has one uh, that she uh, is so good at telling, too. I just heard her speak at an event. So eloquent. So what a great spokesperson. It is Sherry Roberts. How are you, Sherry? I am great. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. I uh, am impressed with your inspiration, your story, your testimony, and you represent an organization called uh, the New Haven Foundation. Fair Haven. I'm sorry. The Fair Haven Haven Foundation. Um, And just real quick so I get it off the table, is it fairhaven.org? That was a good guess, wasn't it? Fairhavenfoundation.org. Fairhavenfoundation.org. And the Fair Haven Foundation does what? They provide housing free of charge to critically ill patients that needed to seek life-saving treatment. And uh, you, at the time, unfortunately, uh, were a recipient of their service. Correct. Um, Being from Iowa, I heard you speak. Uh, What's a little bit of your story? Well, my son was the actual patient. He was 21 when he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, but had been misdiagnosed two and a half years prior, so the cancer had an opportunity to spread. So it produced a large mass in his abdomen, more than 60% of both lungs, and a total of four brain tumors. Well, I guess my question is, just for our listeners that may have some of the same symptoms, uh, how was he misdiagnosed? What, they, what did they think it was? They actually just thought his testicle was filled with varicose veins. Okay. So, so. And it, it, there's actually a disease out there called varicoses, and that is the doctor was pretty sure that's what he had, and my son never got referred to a specialist. Okay, well, now when I, if I get diagnosed with that, right. the first thing I'm doing is going to another doctor yes, to check I for testicular cancer. And I called the doctor back and asked him, in the future, please send everyone for a second opinion so another family doesn't have to endure this journey. Right. Okay, so uh, you get that bad news at that time, you're in Iowa, uh, then what? Uh, well, we went through 12 weeks of aggressive chemotherapy because he had so many tumors in his lungs that they were lying on his aortic artery yeah. and he was fill- his lungs were filling with blood and he was bleeding to death. So our first thing was to treat the lung cancer. And so 12 weeks of aggressive chemotherapy, the first time knowing that we were going to have to remove the rest of the uh, lung that was infected with tumors that was non-responsive to chemotherapy drugs. Why? Okay, from Iowa? Um, what part of Iowa? De- near, Des Moines? D- near Des Moines, but near my Des Moines. son actually lived at the Minnesota-Iowa border. Okay. So we were a good 10, 10 and a half hour drive away. Why Indianapolis? Uh, we were told if we wanted the best, that's where we came. For the for the hospital for service? testicular cancer. Okay. We had Dr. Lawrence Einhorn, who is world-renowned with treating testicular cancer. Okay. He alone has single-handedly, um, that doctor's increased the survival rate from 8 to 10% in the 80s to 90 to 95% survival rate now. Just one person? Just one person through tweaking different chemotherapy drugs together. 
Well, I'm gonna have to get him on the show. Absolutely, <laughs> he's an incredible man. Wow, that is in, those are great stats. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so you get to Indianapolis, and uh, at this point, had you not heard of? The Fairhaven Foundation yet? I had absolutely no idea about Fairhaven. But when we first came, my son had two of his major surgeries, 15 hours worth of surgery in one day to remove the large mass out of his abdomen and then to remove a portion of his right lung. And we thought that we were on the road to recovery. We went back home in March after those two surgeries, 88 staples at that time in one surgery to put him back together. We thought that we were on the road to recovery when he relapsed a second time and ended up with his fourth brain tumor. And so after that, back home in Iowa in Mason City, we were actually able to do his craniotomy surgery. Um, But then he relapsed a second time. And rather than choosing to isolate surgery after surgery after surgery and chemotherapy after chemotherapy it was advised to us that he might be a likely suitable candidate for stem cell transplant so we traveled back to Indianapolis and sure enough he was and so that gives your patient the one and only best chance at life high dose chemotherapy and stem cell transplant again age 21 age I mean that's 21, a lot for a young man to go to three months when he was diagnosed oh, he was oh. just newly married Three months. burden for a a couple, a A young couple. couple. I mean, most couples would struggle 25 or 30 years into marriage. We're talking they were three months into marriage when he received this life-devastating news. Yeah. You know, to say our lives changed and our world turned upside down would be an understatement. Sherry Roberts is our guest. She's sharing uh, an incredible story of her son uh, diagnosed, misdiagnosed with testicular cancer um, and how she got involved with an organization called the Fair Haven Foundation and how they help families with financial resources that are going through, is it can- all cancer or cancer, any sort of health issue? Life-altering, um, severely ill patients. So in fact, they've done high-risk pregnancies, they've done organ transplant, and cancer patients. So they reach a broad spectrum of people. Okay. And I, again, I had mentioned I'd heard you speak. I heard a little bit of your story. I don't know 90% of it. So I'm going to guess with what I know about what the Fairhaven Foundation provides, um, where you were in your journey with all those multiple operations and surgeries, Uh, Even with health insurance, your resources have to be wearing thin. Oh, yeah, because by the time you reach this level, you've been through multiple other surgeries, um, procedures, opportunities available to you, and you, I don't want to use the term jump at them, but you're reaching, you're searching, you're trying to save your loved one, and all those things come at an expense. You know, we didn't have adequate um, prescription care coverage, so our prescription care costs Every Nupagen shot, series of three, over $1,200. But we continued it to keep our son on course. How many so, of those shots per month? Three uh, shots every month for four months. 1200 bucks. 1200 Boom, right bucks. There. Right there. You know, but you do it because you're trying to save your loved one's life. Yeah, you have and, to. And so you reach out to friends. You reach out to relatives. You borrow money. You know, you just you plead a case per se. So by the time you're to this stage, when you're needing an organ transplant or you're needing high stem um, or stem cell transplant with high dose chemotherapy, it's a last ditch opportunity and your finances are shot. But you up and you leave. You step out in faith because you know that this is your last chance. But life back home doesn't stop. 
you've got mortgage payments and car payments and insurance premiums and utilities and expenses and you're trying to do all of those but you're not home to do that job to work to be able to pay that expense you know you've got those obligations but you want to be with your loved one when you travel you've got travel expense you've got lodging you've got your food wherever you'd be but you've got lodging and all you want to do is focus on your patient but in the back of your mind you're thinking how am I gonna make ends meet yeah and we cried we prayed we cried we stepped out in faith and we knew that the Lord brought us to Indiana for a reason and I clicked on a link and I found the Fairhaven Foundation and they lifted that burden they allowed us to stay together as a family unit so that my husband and I did not have to decide which one was going to go back home and have to work that job in order for the other person to be able to stay here with our child because he was after all our child yeah. not just mine yeah. and so Fairhaven lifts that financial burden they give you a home away from home they give you someplace safe to go at the end of the day at the hospital where your family unit can be together away from all of the buzzing and the beeping of the IV machines away from all of the blood draws you can go home and be together as a family and hopefully be there to encourage and strengthen one another just an amazing story and um, we can proudly report that there's a happy ending here your son is fine he's in remission how many years ago was that he series of operations where is he now he had his first series of operations March of 2012 had his brain surgery April of 2012 started high-dose chemotherapy and stem cell August of 2012 was put into remission November of 2012 and next week we will be hopefully hearing the beginning of year number four they're still watching a mass in his right lung that is non-responsive to chemotherapy drugs but if that mass remains unchanged for a period of five years they'll consider it scar tissue because he had between six and seven hundred tumors and then oh, they will call him either no evidence of disease or cancer free so you know if you have the opportunity to help someone you know there are so many times in life that you meet somebody you hear their story you wonder if you can help and you think what can i possibly do i don't have anything to do fairhaven is meeting that need they're providing that refuge so that families can stay together and encourage one another 100 percent free of charge to the patient and their families well you're a fantastic spokesperson um, with your personal testimonial for Fairhaven and the Fairhaven Foundation. And again, it's fairhavenfoundation.org if you want to check it out. Um, you, Before I let you go, I want you to share another story. You were telling me about another family that's actually here today um, and what their case study is. Uh, yes, Brian and Crystal and their son Cameron are here from California. He came in needing a liver transplant. And how old is he? He's in his mid-40s. Okay. And he has been here just shy of 10 and a half months and just got the news last week that within a week and a half to two weeks, they will finally be able to go back home. They have been here in Indiana nonstop for 10, 10 and a half months. Can't imagine. Yeah. You, you can't go to work. You have to suspend all of your revenue yes. and all of the avenues that you make revenue. And you have to go somewhere else 2,000 miles away for 10 months. Yes. Try to do that. 
Absolutely. It, it's You have to leave and just trust that the Lord knows your steps and your plans, and He will make things happen for you. Well, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm sure the people at uh, the Fairhaven Foundation, which you're not even actually an official member of, which is a, one of my, uh, it's fun for me to interview you because you don't even work there, do you? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm a life that was changed and blessed. Yeah, so. so if you want the opportunity to be able to be a blessing to someone else, to make a difference in someone else's life that is going to impact them for a lifetime, please do so. You know, you never know, my favorite saying anymore is, you never know just how big something small can be. Mm -hmm. Well, on behalf of Fairhaven, I'm sure they'd like to thank you for your testimony, uh, your, your um, willingness to speak out. I mean, your story that you're sharing, it's fantastic and powerful. Um, and I want to encourage our listeners again to check out fairhavenfoundation.org. Uh, get off your couch, help out any sort of organization you can, because again, like like Sherry just said, you never know how much something small you're doing can impact another family so huge that yeah. needs the help. So Absolutely. Sherry, such a fantastic honor of mine to meet you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. It's been a blessing. This is Hunter Smith, NFL veteran, author of The Jersey Effect, and lead singer for the Hunter Smith Band. And you are listening to The Adam Ritz Show. We have an ALS Ice Bucket Challenge update. In the summer of 2014, the disease got major recognition through a viral video craze, uh, one that's helping lead through a, a genetic breakthrough. Everyone from celebrities you'll remember to politicians took time to dump a bucket of ice on their head. Uh, and along with posting videos and calling out friends, participants also donated money to the ALS Association, turning a viral video craze into a major genetic breakthrough. This challenge raised over $115 million. The ALS Association has recently announced that that money was used to help identify a new gene in the disease. There's still a long way to go to finding a cure, those living with ALS say, in addition to funding. The challenge also made great strides in getting the word out about the little-known disease. So in honor of this genetic breakthrough, uh, we'd like to revisit a conversation we had with a friend of the show about the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Our next guest is a classic rock expert. He's a radio broadcaster, a morning guy at a rock station. And uh, more importantly to me, he's one of my best friends of all time. We used to work together. Please welcome to the show, Nigel. Finally, it's, it's nice to finally be on the, uh, the Adam Ritz program, the Adam Ritz show, the nationally syndicated Adam Ritz show. Finally, after all these years, you ask me, your, your supposed <laughs> best friend, to be on your show. We're back. Uh, yeah, we're back, baby. We're back. I... <laughs> That's a little inside joke. I guess we should explain uh, uh, 11, 12 years ago, maybe longer, 14 years ago, we worked at the same uh, rock radio station. I was uh, in the afternoons, you were in the early evenings, and we did what is known in the industry as a crosstalk, where I would say, hey, Nigel's coming up next, and you'd come in, and we'd talk for about 10 or 15 minutes, and those crosstalks became world famous. 14 years later, we're back, and here we are <laughs> together again. It's Nigel Adam, on the Adam Ridge Show. Adam, I've said it before, you're my mentor you're one of my best friends, and it's it's a pleasure to be on the show here. I can't, that's hilarious. You called me a classic rock expert, although I I, <laughs> I don't know what makes me an expert other than I play it for a living. But well, I I you know I do remember the first time I ever heard ACDC's "Back in Black." It was on. Uh, I was a little kid, and I went to a party with my dad. 
My dad plays bass. He was in a jam bands in the 60s. And uh, I, I remember go, coming in and, and seeing uh, ACDC, the, the, the vinyl album, and I heard Back in Black playing. And I can remember it as clear as day when I was small, not even 10 years old. And uh, I, I've, I've fallen in love with rock and roll ever since. Wow, that's, some would call that child abuse on the part of your dad, dragging no. a nine-year-old to a party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we bring Nigel on the show to talk about... Um, uh, Kiss and Def Leppard. And the reason uh, our worlds now cross, you play Kiss and Def Leppard on uh, the river, oh, 105.5. Yeah. Tell us about uh, your gig there real quick. I do mornings on uh, the Wabash Valley's official rock station, 105.5 The River, 6 to 10 a.m. And yeah, man, we jam out a bunch of Kiss, Def Leppard. It's it's music. It's perfect. Like I was saying earlier, I love, you know, I grew up on classic rock. So 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s now. Not, can you believe that? That's how old we are. 90s rock has become kind of quote-unquote classic now because we play Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and some of those bands as well as Rolling Stones and Aerosmith and, and ACDC and that, Kiss. Yeah, that's funny that those <laughs> those early 90s bands, um, STP, Soundgarden, yeah, that's sure. classic rock it, now. It absolutely is. Um, well, your world has, uh, of classic rock has recently bled over to my world of public affairs and social awareness and foundations and charities with the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, I recently uh, went and saw Kiss and Def Leppard. Uh, just a purely, just a social evening. I just went for fun. Um, By the way, can I ask you a question yeah. real quick? Did Kit, one of my favorite Kiss songs is God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Did they sing that? Do you, do you remember if they sang that? Yes, and I, and I have uh, a little <laughs> bit of trivia about that song. I'm glad you brought that up. God gave rock and roll to you. No, don't sing it. Please you. don't sing it. No, I, sing I'm it. not singing it. I just <laughs> want the listeners yeah. that maybe carry the tune in your head now. You know the mm-hmm. song. I, they didn't play that song at the concert. And I was a little upset because that's wow. the one. Well, I mean, they've got fifty yeah. hits, so they they can only play thirty of them, and they played all, nearly all of them. Uh, but they didn't play "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," and so I got online for uh, to play for my friend that song, uh, and I googled when well, I, I YouTubed "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," right? And Argent, yeah, came up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as the. Music video for that song. Old, I, that's an old British band, right? From the 70s, right? Is yeah. That a, yeah. And I had no idea that that was not a, a Kiss original song. And the first time I heard that song was by Christian rock group Petra. <laughs> that that song has been covered over and over again. I heard it on Petra, and then then I heard it on the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure soundtrack. That's when Kiss did it for that movie. You remember Bill? Oh and yeah, Ted's? yeah, yeah. And so ever since then, I heard a Kiss remake of "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." It's been my favorite Kiss song ever since. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe they didn't sing it. I would have been mad. I uh, I was not as mad that they didn't sing it as I was to find out it wasn't a Kiss song. I, <laughs> they covered um, it, yeah. I and know. you know what? In little uh, uh, one of the most popular Kiss songs from their catalog is called Black Diamond. Um, and this is the only social awareness public affairs show in America where you'll hear this kind of conversation about Kiss. Uh, Black Diamond is a Kiss song, and when I was in college, one of my favorite bands was The Replacements, and The Replacements on their album Let It Be covered the song Black Diamond. So... From age twenty to thirty-two, I thought Black Diamond was a was an, a replacement song. Nope. And then when nope. I went and saw Kiss, right when they came out with their makeup tour, the reunion tour, I think in ninety-six or ninety-seven, yep. uh, they played Black Diamond, and that's when it, it dawned on me: Oh my gosh, this is not a replacement song. And this is the first time I've admitted <laughs> this to anybody because, uh, as a Kiss fan growing up, I should have known that Black Diamond was a Kiss song. So there's your Kiss history between uh, uh, Nigel and Adam. So okay. back to the ALS. Uh, ice bucket challenge i go to this concert kiss def leopard and i you know i liked kiss growing up um 
but I'm more of a Def Leppard fan. Sure. You know, uh, 83 is when Pyromania came out when I was in uh, ninth grade. So I lived my high school years through Pyromania and Hysteria, Pour Some Sugar on Me. Uh, so I was really fired up to see Def Leppard, and I had not seen them since 1988. So I just go, just a fan. I'm just uh, there to, to watch this concert, and I didn't follow any of their tweets. I didn't know what they were going to do. But Paul Stanley, mm-hmm. the lead singer of Kiss, had tweeted the night before that they were going to do the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge on stage. So the concert ends, and uh, the lights come up. I mean, they did rock and roll all night, party every day. That's their last song. Confetti everywhere, the, sure. and the show's over. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, they don't leave the stage, but some some lights come up, but they're house lights. They're not stage lights. They're just, you know, the kind of lights that the ground crew would use to clean up the the cups all around the pavilion. And uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and uh, the guy playing uh, Ace Freely now, whoever that is, they're just kind of (laughs) milling around the stage, looking around. And I'm like, what are they doing? Well, then uh, some roadies come out and then Def Leppard comes out in, in street clothes. Right. And I'm like, what are they doing? And then they bring out baby pools. And I still didn't get it. I didn't know what they were doing. They pulled out what? Oh, baby pools. They pulled out these giant... I saw the foot... I posted the footage of this on our uh, the River's website, 1055theriver.com. And so you're saying Kiss and Def Leppard at the very end of the show, both are out on stage now, right? Yeah. By, the way, by the way, Kiss nominated by Motley Crue, I believe. That's right. That's what I Paul believe. Stanley uh, said. And this was this was great to see because through the show, they're they're playing... Uh, characters, uh, you know, their alter egos, the star child and the demon and whatever their nicknames are with the makeup. And, you know, they're, they're, it's all theatrics. It's a rock show. Well, then when those house lights came on, Paul takes a microphone and he goes, okay, so that's the show. <laughs> and uh, now we're going to do this ice bucket challenge for ALS. We were nominated by Motley Crue. And he's talking just like yeah. he's your buddy. Right, right. Like he's the a real guy. Sh- the show's over. He's back to being the Paul Seamley. The show's right. over. Now I'm Paul. <laughs> and uh, so Def Leppard comes out, and these guys look tiny next to – they're still in their outfits. Yeah. They're still in their high heels. And <laughs> the Gene, makeup, Gene's yeah. got his you know shoulder pads on, and he's just standing there next to you know Rick Allen from Def Leppard, right. the, the drummer with one arm. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're all just – Milling around while the roadies set up the baby pools and bring out the buckets of ice, and um, it was amazing to see just because it was uh, it was fun and funny and entertaining, and also cool to know that of their 24 month t- world tour, this is the only night that they're going to do this. Uh, each band got into a baby pool with a designated roadie behind them and and dumped the ice. Now, the part I wanted to get across to our listeners on this public affairs show is that each band donated $10,000 to ALS. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And that was, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, these ice bucket challenges have been clogging up your Facebook feed. Might, you know, I've done it, uh, you know, and I, it's all for a great cause, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been weeks and weeks. People are still doing it. Some people might think it's starting to get a little annoying, but you know, whatever, because it's raising awareness for ALS and it's raising a ton of money. Bands like Kiss and Def Leppard and Motley Crue are each donating ten grand a pop. I, I think uh, ALS has, has has raised over the past couple of months something like forty million dollars. So you know, keep doing it. If it's yeah. keeping raising awareness, I, I don't care if it clogs up the Facebook or Twitter feed or not. I think it's awesome. And the, the fact that Kiss and Def Leppard did it, uh, and that, that again, that footage is pretty funny. It is I've got funny. some re- I've got some really good camera footage up on our website, too, if you'd like to check that out. I took some pictures with my 
iPhone at the show. I'll post those uh, pictures of the Ice Bucket Challenge that I took from that concert, and then I'll also post that video uh, from the Kiss Cam, they call it. They have their own yeah. in-house yeah. video production crew, and uh, it is pretty cool. Even in their makeup, and you know, their makeup's running when the water hits them, I think. I don't know how many of them wear wigs or not, but I think their wigs almost fell off. <laughs> well, Gene, Gene Simmons, by the way, Gene Simmons just celebrated 65 years, 65 years old recently, August I believe uh, 25th is was his 65th birthday. That is I know. amazing. Unbelievable. Those guys are still going hard. Still rocking. And then uh, before I let you go, and uh, thank you for helping us bring awareness, uh, not only to ALS, but for uh, getting involved. You know, do the Ice Bucket Challenge. Not just that. Do, do some other challenge. Sure. Get involved with some other charity that I don't even know about. You know, you, uh, the point is to get off your couch and, and make a difference uh, on planet Earth. And before I let you go... Um, by the way, speaking of Gene Simmons, never touched a drop of alcohol or done a single drug in his life. Did you know that? You know, I knew he was sober, but I didn't know it was like never, never. in his whole life. Never. I, you might have to go back and look that up, but I believe he's never touched a drop of, of alcohol or um, um, a drug in his life. That is that's great to know. Which, which is we- I mean, you think a band like Kiss... The party lifestyle, rocking, rocking and rolling for forty years. You know, you wouldn't expect that, but yeah, Gene right. Simmons, uh, sober as a jaybird, and that's uh, really part of their huge success. Yeah, uh, and it's a great lesson for the rest of us too. What I was going to say uh, about Kiss at that show is that it's so family oriented. Uh, I'm sure Kiss really? through the years in the seventies. They've been accused by family organizations of of being bad for for the family sure. or. Well, here we are now, and in, in, uh, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and, and these costumes and the makeup, I mean, they're almost like superheroes and, and comic book heroes, and it was a family-oriented show, and I want to give Kiss and Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons all the credit in the world for almost reinventing themselves and rebranding themselves for families. They knew there were children at that concert. They knew there were 50-year-old guys in the audience that probably were making bad decisions in 1975 at their early concerts right. that now are there with their 9-year-old, 10-year-old sons. They both have Kiss shirts on. They've got the makeup on. And this was a family show. There wasn't one curse word, not one curse word, wow. during this Def Leppard Kiss concert with uh, an enormous population of this crowd being really 5- to 12-year-old kids. It was really cool to see. I can't wait to bring my... I've got a a 2.5-year-old, so I can't wait until he's old enough where I can... Hopefully, Kiss will still be rocking in maybe another 5 to 10 years, and I can bring him to a show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.